called the pineapple. Put your hair up in a big ponytail on the crown of your head. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Reset before you restart. That's kind of what sleep does. You still all the whirlpools of the day and then you can wake up in the morning and find it again. Welcome to the first official podcast with the Blissey experience. This is part of Blissey history here. So whether you have used Blissey pillowcases for years up to this point or you're new to Blissey, we're really here to talk all things sleep, silk, and having a beautiful sleeping experience. So I'm Ariana. I'm honored to be the host of this podcast. If you're my community coming over from my channel, Belonging with Ari, thanks for being here. Our community is all about creating a deeper sense of belonging in your life. And I believe that sleep is honestly a huge part of that because if we're not well rested, if we're not focusing on self-care, then we really are not in a place where we're able to create that deeper connection in our lives. And speaking of connection, I'm so honored to introduce our very first guest. This is Jessica Green. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us. You have such an extensive background, not only with dance, with physical music. You're now a yoga instructor, an actress, an accomplished model here in Los Angeles. I would love to hear your background and also your philosophy, how you integrate wellness into your art practice as well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of the first Blissey episode. Yeah, so I am an actress and a model. However, I was a dancer for many years growing up as a child, and I danced through college as well. Um, my aunt actually took me to my first yoga class when I was in high school, mm -hmm. and I was super flexible. So being a dancer, it felt like it translated really well, but I noticed it was not so much about the physical as it was about the mental. Mm. And then when it came to the physical practice, it was a way to kind of control my flexibility and to notice what it felt like to connect the breath and the movement and the body and the mind mm. and all of these things versus just learning a choreographed dance routine. Right. So as I stopped dancing, yoga and fitness kind of filled that void of physical expression for me. Mm. And it's something that's kept me active, kept me grounded, kept me in good shape mentally and physically as I've pursued my acting and modeling career. And it's something that I'd love to share with others as well. Yeah, continuing on this concept connection, right? There's so mm -hmm. many different ways that we can create connection in our lives, whether it's connection with ourselves, connection with our community, connection with our friendships. How have you found that your yoga practice has helped you connect more deeply within yourself and beyond? So for me, it's a way to step outside of my day-to-day, -day, outside of my routine, whatever is going on, my to-do list, my anxieties, anything happening. <laughs> oh yeah. And just be in a complete void of movement and breath and know, to, know that it's all gonna be there when you step off your mat. Mm. But I think to take that time Let for yourself, go. yeah, it gives you a moment to process the things that are serving you and the things that are not serving you. Mm -hmm. And then how do you bring more of those positive things into your life and how do you release some of that negative stuff? Love that. So I actually did a commercial for Blissey back we found this on social media. It was literally two years ago to this day in August 2021. <laughs> um, and I'd heard about silk pillowcases. I feel like they were starting to come up in the trends at that time when Blissey was first starting as a company mm -hmm. about how they were better for your hair, better for your skin, especially having curly hair. Mm -hmm. It was all about reducing frizz. And ironically, after I did that ad and researched more into it, I started sleeping on a silk pillowcase. It's been over two years now and I've never looked back. Awesome. Um, but when I started sleeping on silk pillowcases, I told my mom and she said, you know what? Your great grandma has been sleeping on silk pillowcases her whole life, literally up until the day she died. Really? So it was- So this is not a new thing. It's yeah. just kind of a rediscovery, is that right? Yeah, so it was like to keep her perm intact. Oh, yeah. She slept <laughs> yes, in like a perm. silk bonnet that became, she would wrap her pillowcase in like a silk scarf. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is actually kind of cool because I know a lot of beauty trends can feel like they're new, but in some ways we're almost tapping into tried and true methods that have been around for a really long time. So what did you notice when you started sleeping on a silk pillowcase? Um, I definitely noticed the decrease in frizz in my hair. And I think mm-hmm. part of that too is that when your head is constantly rubbing up against cotton, it creates friction, which creates frizz. Mm-hmm. Where with silk, it's something smooth. It's something that's not causing static in your hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so your hair also doesn't get as knotty. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of, I. it's called the pineapple for girls with curly hair. You basically <laughs> put your hair up in a big ponytail on the crown of your head. And if you can sleep like that, then the backside of your neck uh-huh. actually doesn't get frizz when you're sleeping. And then in the morning, I literally take oh. my scrunchie out and my hair falls I love as that close visual. To styled like this as possible. I love but, that yeah. visual. So you pull it up, is that right? And then mm-hmm. just kind of like a scrunchie, and then it kind of has that pineapple top. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so. I feel like that should be, I don't know, a fashion, a trend of some kind. Yeah, I think I it'd be cute. I, you know what? I think a friend told me to do that and called it the pineapple, and then I keep calling it that. So whether oh, yeah, it's I'm never an official that. term or not, yeah. you guys can all borrow it. It is now official. No, I, I absolutely love that, and I notice that you know my hair is wavy I would mm-hmm. say I always say I don't have curly hair I have curly hairs yeah some of them are curly and specifically like it's on the back of that neck right I think yeah. a lot of us have more wave more kind of that kinky curl at the back of the neck the nape of the neck so something I've always been curious about is how to help prevent breakage what have you learned along your journey I think the biggest thing with hair breakage is not doing hairstyles that are like pulling at your hair, really Mm. tense things. So if you tend to wear your hair in a tight bun, in a twisted clip, to have that time to be able to take your hair out, to let your hair breathe. Yeah. Um, Also, there are so many great hair oils on Mm. the market. Like I like to opt for something really natural. Mm -hmm. Actually, rose oil is amazing for your hair. Awesome. Um, I will just put that in after I shower Mm -hmm. at night and then wash it out in the morning. So So you kind of have it as a mask overnight. Yeah. I think just finding coconut oil as well. Mm -hmm. Just ways to kind of keep your hair follicles moisturized because that's what's going to keep them intact in your scalp. So the other thing with that too is that when you're putting product in your hair, Mm -hmm. even if you just have like cream in it during the day or Mm -hmm. hairspray or gel, whatever it is, when you're sleeping and your hair is touching your face, that's why a lot of people get breakouts. Like yes, along, their along the frame. Of your yeah. Yeah. So if you have your hair pulled back when you sleep and then you're on a silk pillowcase, it also is going to reduce all of that product in your hair getting into your skin. And it's such a cruel irony, right? Yeah. Like the products that are great for your hair and keep it moisturized and happier are the products that your face is like, whoa, too much moisture, yeah. too much oil. Like I love coconut oil in my hair yeah. and it's an incredible natural hair mask. I wouldn't say go cover your face in coconut oil. Uh, totally, totally. And I'm sure it depends, you know, because I've, I've heard of everything under the sun, you know, with different like masks for your hair and skin. But that's why I think it's so important to find your own practice, right? Yeah. Like what my skin used to be so full of acne. It was really tough. I, you know, it's funny because I never had acne as a teenager. And then when I hit like my mid-20s, all of a sudden my hormones were like, hello. <laughs> like they were just going crazy. And I had to go through so many different trying and failing. And, yeah. and you know, I always come back to the word practice, you know. So that was going to be one of the questions I wanted to throw out to you is yoga is, has been such a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. Dance, of course, is your background. You know, Sleep, I find, to also be a practice. You know, for a lot of us, it's not as easy as you just lay down and close your eyes and all of a sudden you have this like blissful night of sleep and you wake up refreshed and beautiful. For me, that was not my journey. Mm. I have had real, real tough time with sleep over time. So it's so much about developing that practice, trying things, failing, starting over, you know. What has been your sleep practice journey? So I do say that sleep is my one non-negotiable. I think that it is so important to take time. Mm -hmm. I call it 
to you got to reset before you restart. Yeah. Doesn't matter how hard you push yourself at the gym, how many hours a week you put into work, like you are only going to be as productive as you are well rested. Mm. And I think that is something that I have found is so important into the productivity in my life and how I do things. So I really try to get eight to nine hours of sleep a night. I love that. And I love that you're not bashful about no. that. Oh I'm my God. So it's funny. I like I remember I had a friend growing up and her mom would always go to bed at nine PM. And we would joke that like that was her bedtime. Yeah. And I, I, like, I, love, being, yeah, I love being up early in the morning, honestly, watching the sunrise and like mm. journaling with a cup of coffee and like having that hour or two for myself in the morning mm -hmm. before I'm working, whether it's a yoga class, whether it's a run, whether it's a strength training session at the gym, mm -hmm. that time in the morning for me is non-negotiable mm -hmm. and I never know what's going to come out through my day I mean with like acting and fitness and all these things everything happens last minute so yeah. I know if I'm going to push that to the end of my day it's usually not going to happen mm -hmm. however because I love to get up early I also try to go to bed early of course yeah and let me tell you I love concerts I love going out dancing I love nightlife but I try to during the week try to be in bed by like 10 o'clock yeah and I've also heard a lot of interesting theories about sleep that if you try to Instead of trying to think of every single night I need to get X amount of sleep, mm -hmm. you can more think about it in a week. So mm. they call it the sleep bank. So okay. say you're opting you know, for eight hours a night mm -hmm. times seven nights a week. Mm -hmm. And Friday night you're going out with friends and you're up late and maybe you're drinking. Like if I have one or two drinks, my sleep pattern is like, oh, oh yeah, wrecked. It's yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah, totally, me too. Um, but I don't think you should deprive yourself because of those things. I think sure. life is all about balance. So that being said, if you have a few less hours of sleep on one night that you're working late or a night that you decide to go out mm -hmm. or something. If you make up for that within that week on another night, mm -hmm. you should be well balanced. Yeah. Okay. I kind of like that thinking of like the week as the parameter because it's not over the course of a year, for example. Yeah. It's like, okay, I slept in a bunch of times, but then for, I went six months having terrible sleep. Right. Obviously, we're not going to be well rested. But let's speak to sleep environment, right? So mm -hmm. for example, with the Blissey pillowcases being silk, that kind of sets up a certain environment for your skin, for your hair, for your movement. Like I twist and turn a lot when I sleep. So yeah. if I feel stuck, like even with my pajama material, the fabric matters to me because oh, totally. if I feel stuck, I will wake up in a panic. I'll be like, get me out of here. <laughs> so what kind of fabrics, what kind of materials are important to you in your sleep practice? So I love the new trend of the eucalyptus sheets mm. that are really lightweight, really breathable. Don't, they're, I actually like them better than like the high great Egyptian cotton. Mm. Um, another thing for me is I, about an hour before I go to bed, I put my phone on do not disturb. I put it in my charger, which is all the way on the opposite side of my bedroom from my bed. Love And that. I do not touch my phone. I do not look at a blue light for an hour before I go to bed. Yes, I've heard this, which is easier said than done. So I started doing that about a year ago. And like that has been the biggest game changing factor for the quality of my sleep. I'm serious. Like, you know what? If someone's uh -huh. trying to text me at 930 at night, it can wait till the next morning. It can wait. You know? And yeah. I think sometimes setting those boundaries for yourself is so health is so healthy and we mm -hmm. don't need to be so addicted to scrolling through our screens until the moment our eyes close. Like mm -hmm. take that. And the one second hour. you wake yeah, up. Yeah. To read a book. Sometimes I like play a Tibetan Bulls playlist on Spotify and I just kind of let that soothe me and put mm -hmm. me to sleep. But I think so much of our life, we're going from like 100 to zero. Yeah. And or we think we are. Right. And how much of us aren't actually ever getting to that zero place. Yeah. Right. Because I know for me, it's 
it's hard if I'm looking at my cell phone and I'm like, okay, right up until the second I go to sleep, I notice that my sleep isn't actually at a zero relaxation point. You know, it's that I have like weird funky dreams. I'm kind of waking up more. My brain can't ever quite relax all the way. So that's really cool to hear that it really has been a game changer for you, right? That that hour beforehand turning it on to do not disturb. And if you're thinking like this in terms of to put in a different relation like a workout a yoga Mm -hmm. class you don't walk into the gym and pick up the heaviest weight you can and start bench pressing it or squatting it right you do warm-ups to get there Mm -hmm. and then after you're done with your workout you do warm-ups to cool down yeah when you're in a yoga class you start with breath work then you get into the flow and then at the end you find those deep stretches Mm -hmm. and you come back to shavasana that's that Mm -hmm. place to set but it's not saying we're gonna go from doing chaturangas to shavasana to lie down and be perfectly still. Right. Like you have to bring your body back <laughs> your body down. Like, slowly, right. Yeah. So I think sleeping is that thing of like, you got to build in that hour before you're ready to go to bed mm-hmm. of just what are those practices that you can do to kind of ground you and kind of slowly bring you down from like the craziness of your day. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about yoga practice. You know, I have some experience with yoga, not nearly to the yeah. extent of a teacher would, but I noticed that the mat that I'm on really makes a difference for mm-hmm. me. You know, I, I have some bonier parts of my body and I feel like if the mat isn't a high quality or it's not thick enough, let's say, then, you know, my yoga practice is affected. So how do you see a pillowcase, your sheets, your bed as kind of almost the foundation of your sleep practice like a mat would be for a yoga practice? Oh, I really like this question. I was going to say, I know my my yoga mat brand that I am like solely loyal to. (laughs) But I will say I do own two Blissey silk pillowcases. And yeah, yeah, again, it's about creating that environment. Mm -hmm. Um, Another interesting thing that I like to think about is like, you know, when you're on vacation, you're traveling, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how nice of accommodation you're in that first night, you never sleep well. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It is a biological thing of that our body goes into this fight or flight space because Mm -hmm. we don't know this environment we don't know if we're safe here you kind of have to sleep with one eye open and if you think about like all the way back to you know living as cavemen yeah yeah. you can get eaten by a bear because you don't know this like territory isn't familiar to you so I think too of like creating that environment in your home Mm. you know when you have the right pillowcase when you have a bed that's comfortable when the temperature is set right when your room is dark Mm -hmm. things like that of creating that environment around you is so beneficial to your Mm -hmm. sleep and like your yoga practice you know you're not doing yoga in the middle of a busy street with loud music and distractions (laughs) and stuff you're trying to find like a very zen sanctuary in a place where you can just focus on your breath and your movement Mm -hmm. and kind of let all of that around you dissolve so I think sleeping is kind of the exact Mm -hmm. same concept you mentioned the word sanctuary I love that idea that our home and especially our bedroom right is the ultimate sanctuary what are some other practices or maybe products that you keep in your sanctuary that are really important to your lifestyle so it is my sanctuary but i also call my apartment my zen den Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's literally the, my Wi-Fi network as well. So, Oh, is it really? <laughs> That's when you know you're like really committed to something is yeah. when it's your Wi-Fi network. <laughs> yeah, it's my Zen Den, you know, if you ever come over and visit and hang out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I love candles. Mm, I love mm-hmm. the smell of lavender, coconut, vanilla, mm-hmm. lemon. I find certain things that energize me and certain things that calm me down, like lavender, vanilla, um, coconut. Those things really calm me. That's Peppermint, mm-hmm. lemon. Those are things that kind of energize me. So, so I love, do you light certain candles more in the morning and some more at night? Yeah. Love and I, that. I have like essential oils, too, and things like that. Yeah. Um, my plants. Mm-hmm. I live alone in my apartment. I don't have any pets. I don't have any kids. But I do have a lot of plants. Yeah, plant mom. I'm a huge, huge plant mom. Yeah, when people come over and they're like, oh my gosh, like why so many? And I'm like, why not so many? But you know what? It purifies the air. Yes. I think it kind of makes 
that feeling of like you're in touch with nature absolutely grounds you yeah um, absolutely and I mean there's science behind that too oh, yeah you know this is really not some like voodoo new age thing it's really like like we were talking about with silk too with mm-hmm. your grandma using a silk pillowcase there are so many things that if we would just look at those who came before us look at the history look at the traditions yeah. there is actually so much value in them and I noticed that with plants just bringing more earth into totally. our homes can create such a zen experience. Like I'm really into holistic remedies mm-hmm. and all of the trendy biohacking things that are out there now. I love it and I do a lot of those practices. I do cryotherapy and infrared saunas and mm-hmm. float tanks and ice bath plunges, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. However, there is something to stay of like going back to foundations of like herbal Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. I mean, yoga was built as a practice, you know, that's as old as time. Mm-hmm. And before it was even a physical practice, it was just sutras, which are mm. statements to live by. And the first statement of yoga is stilling the whirlpools of the mind. Ooh. So if you think about that in terms of sleeping, I mm. mean, it's totally relatable. Oh, yeah. It's that, that's kind of what sleep does. It's you still all the whirlpools of the day, you get back to zero, that like flat lake, and then you can wake up in the morning and find it again. Yeah. Oh, but I if, love that visual, the flat lake. Yeah. So you're kind of stilling any of the stimulation that kind of causes those splashes. Yeah. Is that the idea? Yeah. I love that. And think about, I mean, when, like you said, yoga is, you know, as old as time, right? And if the very first rule of yoga, right, what, what mm-hmm. was it that you called it? So stilling the whirlpools of the mind. The real phrase is in Sanskrit. I'm going to butcher it, so I won't say it. But the sutras was literally just a book of single sentences of how to live your life. Yeah, so these ideas. And I would imagine, I mean, that was so long ago that that, you know, stilling the mind was um, thought of. And they could not even fathom the amount of stimulation that we have today. Right. They could not even fathom the internet and Wi-Fi and social media and all of the stimulation that we have around us constantly. So I think it's more important than ever for us to find ways to reset and to calm that pool, right? Yeah, and to go back to simplicity, like something as easy and simple as a silk pillowcase. I mean, yoga studios now that have lights and music and it's mm. like a, you're like doing yoga in a nightclub. Like that's oh, so fun, but in I some have not ways seen this. it's a little counterintuitive to like what the yeah. yoga practice should be. You should be able to do it like in a room where there's nothing. Yeah. And connect inward as opposed to everything having to be like such a broad experience, mm. um, which such I know a this is the blissy experience. experience. And that is important. And human connection is important. But I think also sometimes just going back to the roots and to simplify things in our lives as mm-hmm. opposed to making them more complicated. Mm-hmm. And like what you said about sleep, you can pay thousands of dollars on a, for a fancy mattress and cooling pads and all of these things. But then you can just find something like as simple as a pillowcase that is made mm-hmm. of organic materials that are good for your hair, good for your skin that, mm-hmm. you know might solve a lot of your problems. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to hear a little bit more about your hair and skin journey, especially Mm -hmm. as a transplant. So you come from Boston originally. (laughs) I know you're now based in LA, of course, as an actress, model, and fitness instructor. So what factors environmentally have you noticed that are in LA, let's just say like the hair or the municipal water, how has that affected your beauty routine and how have you worked with that? Yeah, no, I love that question. So I've been in LA 11 years now, Mm -hmm. and I still remember the first three years I lived here. Not only was LA in a drought, like I Mm. think in the first three or four years I was here, it maybe rained twice. Oh my gosh. My skin was so dry, and I remember my hands would flake, and I always always had good skin. Um, And yeah, I just, 
it was just adapting to that. You know, I think oh, yeah. hydration, especially, which people don't realize, comes from the inside out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can buy sure. put as much product as you want on your face. At the end of the day, if you're not drinking enough water, yeah, then you're going to be dehydrated and it's mm-hmm. going to show through your skin. So I think that is a huge factor. Um, in terms of water, I recently have gotten on the filtered shower head trend. Okay, yeah. And let me tell you, it's amazing. Is it? Okay, because I have seen yeah. the people who talk about their like water filters, shower heads. I'm like, okay, I apparently need to try this because I have not yet gotten one. But I am seeing it blow up everywhere, and that like it's genuinely so such a game changer for your hair. Yeah. So I got a shower. I got the Jolie shower filtered head a little over three months ago because I just got my replacement. You're supposed to replace the, sh- oh, the filter every three months. Um, this is now how we measure our lives, right? By like the beauty subscription, <laughs> literally. <laughs> But hey, you know, the sometimes modern technology does have its benefits. As much as we want to yeah. step back and live in like a Zen Buddha society. No, totally. Having and your shower they're... filter delivered every yeah. three months is nice. Yeah, absolutely. And and with so many minerals in our water, yeah. you know, here in LA we have a lot of a lot going on in the municipal water and old pipes and things like that. So it actually I think is really important. Actually, just yesterday I had our building maintenance come over and clear out a lot of the hard water buildup on our faucets. Oh wow. And I, I turned on the water this morning to like just brush my teeth and it was like like this crazy water pressure and I had forgotten you know how much water pressure potential there was because it had gotten so backed up with so many of the the minerals in our water and so it totally makes sense that it's every few months that kind of resetting right like we talk about resetting taking all those minerals all the crap out you know and kind of and your skin is your biggest organ so if you think about when you shower all the water that's going onto your body it's not going onto your body it's actually going into your body yeah but I do notice a huge game changer in the softness of my skin, mm. the frizziness of my hair, just by using filtered shower water. And it is, it's like, I don't even know how to describe the feeling. It's weirdly even more refreshing. Like mm. the water almost feels soft on your body. Mm. Um, but yeah, and you know, drinking too. I try to always drink filtered water. Mm-hmm. I drink, I'm a small human. I drink like a gallon of water a day. <laughs> Hydration is super important. But yeah, finding waters, you know, that's not contaminated with heavy metals and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. Living in LA, I try not to drink the tap water. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a f- dual coin because you can mm-hmm. get so caught up with the world being contaminated by so many of those things, and then you're freaked out to like do anything wrong. Yeah. And there's a balance between trying to control as much as you can, but not having it become <laughs> living like, life. Yeah, anxiety yeah. driven and overwhelming. Yeah. You mentioned something on a social media post that I love this concept, which is that which is unwilling to bend will eventually break. Mm. And and I was thinking about that in terms of hair and you know especially someone who yeah. experiences curly hair like you do. How has going to the Blissy Silk Pillowcase encouraged more bend if you will in your hair and prevented the breakage? Ooh. I think it's a lot of I mean if you think about it like sitting on a chair like this fibers on this kind of material or like a cotton pillowcase mm-hmm. if you're lying it's on a little it, bit more rough yeah and you're saying you're saying you dealt with a lot of breakage underneath on your the bottom of your scalp line which so many yeah. people do i mean i do too my hair is mm-hmm. underneath or shorter than my hair is yeah. behind which is normal for people um but yeah if you're lying on that when you're sleeping and then say you turn your head you roll over like that's just like that constant tugging friction mm-hmm. all if the it gets time. stuck yeah, yeah. and yeah, then you're on like that, that smooth pillowcase it's like almost like being like an on an oiled surface versus yeah. being on a rough surface. You know, yeah. you don't want that constant pull on your hair. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. And, and, you know, with your yoga practice, I also know the flow is such an important concept, mm-hmm. right? So 
Does flow apply to your beauty routine, to the products you choose, and if so, how? Yeah, so I'm very conscious on using products that are all natural, paraben-free, not tested on animals, cruelty-free, trying to find basically ingredients that are as pure to nature as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, sleeping on a 100% mulberry silk silk pillowcase, you know, Mm -hmm. we're seeing all these things right now, like even sports bras, all these fitness companies that have like BPAs and plastics Mm -hmm. in their products and Mm -hmm. then you're putting that on your body and it's touching your skin for like an extensive period of time and you're Mm -hmm. sweating and your pores are open through it. And like you mentioned, our skin really is absorbing what's on it. Yeah. So I think... Everything is interrelated. What you put on your body, what you put in your body, Mm -hmm. it all comes and goes through the same way. And about flow, I think enjoying the process of things too. You know, when when you do your skincare routine in the morning, it shouldn't just be like slap on some moisturizer, go for the day, whatever. I mean, I like to take, whether it's one minute or five minutes, maybe Mm -hmm. to jade roll or to just do something Mm -hmm. to kind of like have it almost be a meditative practice. Mm -hmm. And whether that's a minute or five minutes, whatever you have in your morning, it it is that time for yourself to, as yeah. we said, like reset, restart, mm-hmm. do something for you before you can put all that energy out into whatever the day is going to throw your way. Can you kind of take us through what your get ready for bed routine and then your wake up and get ready for the day routine is like? Sure. So when I get home, I love to cook. If I can mm. cook dinner, I will. Um, If I can't cook dinner, I love to go out to eat with friends. Uh I think having like unwinding at the end of the day and having that hour, whether it's cooking, eating, socializing with friends is really important. Mm -hmm. I think just coming home and like shoving down food because you're hungry in front of a TV. I mean, that is sometimes what we like feel like we want to (laughs) do. But I notice on the days that I actually take that time of just to like totally detach from social media to either find a social connection or read a book or do something for myself Mm -hmm. is like really grounding. Yeah. and really it, nourishing. Yeah, totally. Well. And you know, like meals and food is meant to be enjoyed and mm-hmm. I think it brings together community. Mm-hmm. So it is always nice when you can share that with friends or invite friends over for dinner or go over to someone's place for dinner. Um, obviously, it can't happen every night. And yeah. I live alone, Unfortunately. But yeah. But no, those times are really special. And then um, if I'm just like home alone, I love to, you know, throw on a TV show. I try not to watch more than like an hour of TV a night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I'm ready to go to sleep, I turn off my phone, I put it on Do Not Disturb, and I put it in my charger, which is all the way across Love the that. room from my bed. Um, I go into my bathroom to get ready for bed, so I brush my teeth, I wash my face. Um, I My evening skincare routine is actually pretty simple. I do a retinol, mm-hmm. and then I do a moisturizer over it. I do a little bit of under-eye cream. Mm-hmm put my hair up in its nice little pineapple. Pineapple, yep. (laughs) And then I go lay in bed. And so my phone's already off, like through that whole getting ready process. I have Mm -hmm. not touched my phone. I don't look at it when I get into bed. Mm -hmm. Um, I have like darkening curtains. I like to sleep with a ceiling fan on. Mm -hmm. And then I either read a book or I have my Alexa, which is in like outside of my bedroom so I can talk to it and turn music on, but I don't have to actually touch a device to get it on or off. Sure, yeah, and you also don't have those frequencies so close to your bed. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So I usually, there's a playlist called Deep Sleep on Spotify that I love, Mm. and it's just really soothing sound. So sometimes I'll fall asleep to that for like 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I notice when I like take that time at the end of the day just to really like detach from technology to kind of just relax for myself. I Mm -hmm. do that. I also love gratitude journaling. So I either do that in the morning or Mm -hmm. the evening of just writing. I limit myself to one page. Yeah. And I just write, you know, reflections on my day, things that made me feel good, things that made me not not so feel good. Sure. And just to kind of, you know, like, again, clean out the slate, like Mm -hmm. let the next day be a fresh start. Yeah. Start to settle those waters. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about your morning routine? My morning routine? I'm up early. I'm usually up around 6 a.m. Um, 
wash my face, brush my teeth. In the morning, I like to do like a vitamin uh, vitamin C and hyaluronic acid serum. Mm-hmm. Always wear SPF. Even though mm-hmm. I have tan skin, I always wear SPF. Um, I make my coffee. I have a French press, which I love. Oh, I also do French press. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. It's the yeah, best. Once you go French press, it's hard to go back. I know. It's funny. So my family's like addicted to their Keurig machine. Uh-huh. But there's something about the four minute ritual of making the French press of like pouring the beans in it, pouring the hot water in it, letting it sit for four minutes. Mm-hmm. I just like meditate or I water my plants yeah. or I listen to a song and kind of having that routine of like giving yourself that time yeah I think is a really nice ritual to have in the morning and you're right what a simple thing four minutes yeah right it's funny because it's it's not long enough to really get into another action or activity or chore around the house and it's not short enough where you can kind of just you know blink and then it's over right but everything in our life is so instant and sometimes you know like when you actually stop and you see how long something takes to like come into fruition it's kind of nice I use the four minutes it's funny I also do four minutes on my French press (laughs) specifically and I use that time to go and open all of the windows and kind of open the door you know my, my front door opens out to just kind of a garden that I have out front and so kind of like bringing some of that fresh energy in and it just creates that you know we come back to practice right that yeah. like four minute practice in the morning whatever it may be whether it's making your coffee or what while you're brushing your teeth or things like that it's just so grounding in the morning I love yeah. that natural sunlight is great too that mm-hmm. is one of, the, one of the first things I do too I open up all my shades and just like mm. take all that in yeah um, and it's funny like sometimes I notice on like cloudy days I'm like oh I'm not as like awake as I am on like a bright and sunny oh, day oh yeah oh totally yeah, this last really winter affects your mood. yeah I feel oh, like my God. Wherever you're watching from or listening from, this last winter was so intense. We're in 2023, so it was the 2022 winter. It was so long, and I'm such a sunshine baby. I absolutely adore living in California. You know, I come from Utah originally, which I love okay. Utah, and I'm I'm big into nature. And was I was even a wilderness survival guide when I lived there, oh, and wow. so I'm just I'm like a massive fan. But the winters were admittedly so hard for me, and yeah. they were just long and dark, which is like a huge part of the reason why I came out west to California. But it's very real. Yeah, the I mean, I grew up in Boston, so I know changes. what a, I yeah, know what a winter right. is. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know winters more than even Utah. It's like yeah. freezing in Boston. Yeah, I noticed that that makes such a difference, and so it's funny how sometimes like just based on what I've got going on with life we live in such a fast-paced productive culture sometimes I notice that I really haven't been outside in direct sunlight Mm -hmm. in a few days and I start to notice that mood change totally yeah no especially being in California for so long I mean we don't really realize it because that mostly every day it's bright and sunny and Uh this year we've had a lot of interesting weather yeah and me and my friends were talking about how like my mood's been off things have been weird and it Mm -hmm. is like as we were saying before everything's cyclical everything's related and Mm -hmm. like we're connected to the earth and what's happening around us and it does affect us. It absolutely does. You mentioned a lot of the environmental factors on your hair moving from Boston to LA, but what else did you notice in that shift? That's a big deal, transplanting from one major city to another. Yeah, so I will say the funny thing about my hair is that it, it was more of a personal journey than a the geographical location. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, no, but growing up, my whole family has big curly hair and I wanted stick straight, flat hair. Oh, I also man. grew up in the era where everyone flat ironed their hair and had side bangs, <laughs> yes. which was a style that with curly hair like this, I could never yeah. participate in. It's always that like what you don't have is the thing that you're like, I would give anything for that. So literally that was my mom's, what my mom said to me every day of my childhood mm. is you always want what you can't have. Mm. And she was like, when you so are in your 20s, if you still really want straight hair, you can get your hair straightened, mm. but I am not doing that to you as a kid because if I mm. ruin your curls and then you become an adult and you wish you had curly hair, you'll be mad at me forever. 
Oh, so ironically, yeah. my mom and my sister both get keratin and have straight hair now. <gasps> they do? <laughs> mom. And I'm the one who embraces the curls. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I mean, how funny that, you know, over time the tables turn like that, where yeah. you're like, Mom, I am literally just applying what you said to me. But in relation to curly hair and moving to L.A., I think um, I came out here for college. I came out here for acting. Um, I do really appreciate this town I grew up in and my family and my friends there however I feel like I really found myself when I came out to California Mm. and all of the things I was passionate about I was really able to pursue and kind of like I like found who I was and the Mm -hmm. environment I wanted to be and the people I want to surround myself with Mm -hmm. and what I was passionate about and how I wanted that to become like not just a career but a lifestyle as well yeah and so I think in relation to hair it's like that's what makes you unique yeah. And my curls were me and it expressed my personality and I have a hard time imagining you not with yeah. your hair. You know, it, it seems like such an a, a beautiful yeah. part of your look, Thank you. you know, on the outside, but then on the inside just you're obviously such a an authentic um true to yourself kind of person and I think that that really shows by the way we style our hair, the way we dress, the way we take care of our skin, you know, makeup things like that and yeah. it's just so natural to you. Thank you. And that is actually one thing that I really like about LA, which I know LA people criticize it for different reasons, but I think it creates a really interesting, authentic diverse group of people who Mm -hmm. are all about trying to be different and trying to find the one thing that sets them apart. Mm. Where I think a lot of the East Coast mentality and my New Yorkers, my Boston people don't get mad at me for saying this. (laughs) I think sometimes it's about like fitting into a box. Like you go out to a bar, everyone's in a black Mm. leather jacket. Mm. Everyone kind of like looks and dresses the same way to fit in, which in a big city, I get it. You're a part of that flow as we keep talking about flow. But I think, you know, with California, there's a little more of that leeway to just kind of be authentic and to yeah, find, be a you know, eccentric here yeah. And there. yeah, yeah. Speaking of New York and just big city life in general, you know, we live in such a productivity focused hustle culture. Why is sleep such an important part of your overall health philosophy? So I think you can only give as much energy as you give back to yourself Mm. like if you think about inertia things in motion stay in motion and what you put out comes back to you Mm. so if you're constantly giving whether it's your work your family whatever but you're not taking that time back for yourself Mm -hmm. you're gonna burn out and that's just like human biology you Mm -hmm. know so I think sleep is that time to reset and it shouldn't be a selfish thing I mean I think now self-care especially after COVID you know has hit the height of the zeitgeist Mm -hmm. and whether it's your skincare routine whether it's getting eight hours of sleep journaling like your yoga practice having that time for you is so important Mm -hmm. and people kind of realize that stepping back and slowing down is okay Mm -hmm. and we don't always need to get 100 yeah and trust me i'm totally part of like the hustle and the grind and i'm like i love that energy and that creativity and that drive to keep going forward but if you don't stop and like take a step back Mm -hmm. also just to acknowledge the work you have put in like that's mm-hmm. important too yeah well and I think about the yin yang concept too mm-hmm. that you have to have one with the balance of the other in order to have the whole it can't mm-hmm. all be yin. it can't all be yang so you can't just be hustling like yeah. believe me I have had those days where I am genuinely angry I have to sleep and and genuinely angry that I have to make time to eat you know there, yeah. there's you know those chapters of our life where you're like oh, if only I didn't have to sleep and I could get so much more done or I could you know be moving forward um so much faster but in order to have one you really really do have to have 
the other, right? In order right. to have the hustle, you have to have the sleep and vice versa. And it's it's also counterproductive. If you're lying in bed trying to go to sleep and you're anxious about all the things you have to do tomorrow, mm-hmm. well, tomorrow hasn't come yet. Right. So all of those <laughs> things on your to-do list, you cannot literally and physically yeah. do right now. <laughs> yeah. You're in your bed, it's 10 o'clock at night, close your eyes and go to sleep. And you won't be able to do them tomorrow well if you right. don't exactly. do this now. Exactly. Yeah. They'll still be there when you wake up in the morning and you'll either be able to get to them energized and well-rested mm-hmm. or you'll get to them as a half-asleep mess because yeah. you stayed in bed all night <laughs> anxious about the things that you now have to do. Yeah. You know, and I think of sleep now as I've gotten older and I've gone through my own kind of like sleep journey over the years as sleep really isn't as passive of a practice as I once thought it was. Mm. That it's, for for me, I've noticed that I I am more proactive about certain things like my environment, the temperature, for example. Quick story on that, I used to have a lot of weird, scary dreams, like my whole life. I was like, what is wrong with my soul? Like I was having weird, weird nightmares for a long time and I couldn't figure out why. And one day, just a few years ago, one night I woke up in a panic after one of these dreams and I realized that I was really warm that I was like, oh, for some reason I had like turned off the air conditioner and forgotten to put it back on. And so then that led me to doing a little research and I found an article and some studies that had shown that the warmer your temperature, oftentimes that can really disturb your sleep. And so I started making my room a little bit cooler and I think I started to change some of those materials and fabrics that I was sleeping with that were making me too hot. And sure enough, I kid you not, to this day I haven't had a weird nightmare. And that was like five years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's just so funny how there really are proactive things that we can do in order to relax, even though that sometimes feels a little bit counterintuitive. Right. That it's just like, just don't do anything and hopefully you'll be able to relax. But it's actually, there are things we can do in order to relax more. In addition to things like the candles and turning your phone on Do Not Disturb, are there other practices that you proactively do in order to relax? Journaling. Mm. Journaling is a practice that I have been doing cons- consistently for years now mm. that has totally totally changed me. Um, However, it's not about sitting down to write an essay or to fill a million pages. I have a journal that's about this big and I limit myself to one page. So what is it like a six inch? Yeah, it's like a kind of like a daily size, like a daily planner. Yeah. But with that thought is like, I don't need to write down every single thing that happened in my day. Like I'm not writing my life's memoir. But if you spend five minutes just writing stream of consciousness, Mm. Like whatever comes to mind. Yeah, those first things that come to your mind are what's the most important, what's the most pressing. Mm, And if I fill the page then and I still have more thoughts in my head, I'm like, okay, but yeah, but those aren't really that important. So you do limit yourself to the one page. Mm -hmm. And oh, why did you choose to to do that? Because I think a lot of wellness practices, people always say, oh, I don't have time for that. Oh, that's so time consuming, this and that. It's like, no, you do have time for it. You can make the time for it. Sure. And it doesn't need to be overwhelming. It doesn't need to take up half of your day. Mm -hmm. But I notice when I just do take those few moments for myself to reflect, Mm. I can go into the rest of my life with just a little bit more focused energy. Mm, That's beautiful. Any others besides journaling? My yoga practice, like non-negotiable. Whether it's 20 minutes or an hour, that is like breath, body, everything moves through me emotionally, physically. And that comes from being a dancer for so many years. I think physical expression is kind of the way that I release stress Mm -hmm. and the way I kind of get in my creative flow. So Mm -hmm. even if like, even like in college and stuff, having to write an essay or doing any work, I would go to yoga class, go for a run. Mm -hmm. It would all come to me in my head and I would be able to sit down and do it. But I can't like sit down in front of a screen or a computer to try to like 
do something. Mm-hmm. I need to like feel it in my body. Yeah. What advice do you have for people who maybe didn't grow up dancing, maybe don't even have as much experience, say, in an exercise routine or going to a gym? You know, as far as just creating, I love that you call it uh, physical expression. You know, for so mm-hmm. for someone who's maybe less comfortable in their own physical movement, what would be some baby steps that people can take to start to explore their own physical expression? Find something you like. Mm. You don't, yoga, Pilates, strength training, running, swimming, biking, there's a million ways to exercise and move your body. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to stick to some regimen because somebody told you that you're gonna look a certain way, mm-hmm. Most of the time you're not. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many other factors that go into it, diet, genes, whatever. But movement is essential. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to keep you healthy and active. And yeah, find something you love. It's an hour for you. It shouldn't be an hour of punishment. It should be an hour of like celebrating your body, feeling good, stepping, let it be in your flow. It takes you out of whatever your daily routine is. And it's just Mm -hmm. a chance for you to like move and be free. Like think about kids on a playground. Mm -hmm. They have so much fun running around. Like to me a gym, my yoga studio, that is how I feel in those environments. Yeah. I love that. I love that. What have been some of your other most like joyful forms of movement in addition to yoga? I'm actually a really big skier, which surprises a lot Ah, of people. Oh, snow skier? Yeah. I grew up skiing um, with my family. And then since then, I now do like last year, I skied about 15 days all over the West Coast. Um, Great winter for it. Yeah, I went to Utah a bunch. I went yeah. to Colorado. I went all to, up to Banff, Canada. Wow. Oh, I've been meaning to get there. How was Banff? It was incredible. I skied the big three. Oh, my gosh. Um, the photos are, like, breathtaking. Yeah. And what I love about skiing, too, it's very social. It's a mm. group trips that I do with friends. But it's physical. Like, I don't just, like tut down like a green or a blue. I like doing all the extreme crazy wow. stuff. And when you're at the bottom, you look up, and you're like, I just did that. It's yeah. like that feeling of empowerment and accomplishment yeah, that I wow. love. Yeah, and I'm sure you're exhausted by the end of the day, right? So yeah. coming back to sleep, you mentioned that you really try to aim for eight to nine hours a night, right? Ideally, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Ideally, allows, of course. Right. Of In course. a perfect world. You know, I feel like one of the great things from the last few years, and maybe it's, you know, to do with the pandemic, maybe it was kind of already in motion this direction, but is normalizing self-care. Mm. I'm so, so glad that we are getting back to a conversation around it's okay. Not only is it okay, it is vital to give yourself enough time to sleep, eat healthy meals, um, take care of your mental health, your emotional health. What have you noticed with your clients uh, over the last few years as far as helping them to normalize self-care? So I think the mental and the physical goes hand in hand. Mm. Like it's perfectly related. Um, I think also... Again, self-care isn't a punishment. It shouldn't be like, oh, I can't drink. I can't go out. I can't do this. Like, Mm. no, everything in life's about balance. Mm. So actually on that note, I am hosting a yoga retreat in Portugal in in May, which I'm super excited about. And as much as it is about having an 8 a.m. practice every morning and being in a community of like-minded people and like on a beautiful resort, Mm -hmm. it's also about having fun. Like Mm -hmm. we're gonna go hiking and go to hot springs and take surfing lessons and there's a spa and there's a winery and like family style meals. And so I think self-care too is about surrounding yourself in those communities and in people and with people who have, who make you a better person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so I don't think self-care also has to be a way to isolate yourself from the joys of life. I Mm. think it should be a way to make you enjoy life even more. Yeah. And get away from the shoulds. Right. Exactly. I know that I I can really struggle with the case of the shoulds. Oh, I should write in my journal. I should go to bed early. I should do these things that 
really when I do them, I'm like, oh my gosh, this feels amazing. Like, yeah, it's, it's and actually you know such a wonderful experience. And maybe you love doing those things, but maybe someone doesn't. Sure. And it doesn't mean you have to. It's like what I said about fitness and exercise. Like, yeah, lifting weights is really good for your body. It's mm-hmm. great for muscle tone. You know, muscle builds more strength, mm-hmm. whatever. But if you absolutely hate those kinds of workouts, mm-hmm. find something that you like to do. Absolutely. And so I think that goes hand in hand with self-care is that mm-hmm. find the things that really bring you joy and mm-hmm. bring you gratitude and kind of make you take a step outside of your daily routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kinds of tips do you share with your clients if they notice a resistance toward, let's just say, movement in general? Mo- movement's natural. I think we get to, especially with yoga, people are like, oh, I can't touch my toes. I'm not flexible, whatever. There's like a saying, it's not about you know getting there. It's about what you learn on the way down. Mm, but a lot that. of it too is like, even strength training and all these things, these are primal movements that we used to do when we were babies. Mm. And then one day you get to a point where it's like your body tells you that you shouldn't stand on your head or you shouldn't like Mm. lie down on your back and try to touch your feet, you know? Like these things are now weird. And so a lot of it is just coming back to like those natural movements. Mm. And yeah, it's and also not to be self-conscious. I think a lot of times people don't like things. It's because they're nervous that people are looking at them, especially in a class setting. To be honest, comparing ourselves. Yeah, nobody cares what you're doing. Yeah, (laughs) everyone else is way too focused on what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So just to remember that, get out of your head. I always say the biggest thing in my class is it's a chance for you to get out of your head and get into your body. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love all the the focus on joy, right? That it's something that, unfortunately, I feel like sometimes we need the reminder or the permission to find joy. Yeah. Something that I have really discovered, rediscovered in the last few years, speaking of kind of going back to like, you know, what we loved as children is color. I went Ooh. through an experience a few years ago that I noticed that I really needed to cleanse from kind of emotionally and mentally. Yeah. And what was interesting was that I found that my external environment, I started to cleanse that. I kind of got rid of a bunch of old crap that I didn't need anymore. And even to my decoration, I painted all of my walls like kind of a creamy white. All of my bedding, everything I owned was kind of a creamy white. And I went through this year of kind of that soul cleansing. And when I felt like I got to a healthier place, all of a sudden I started to notice that I was bringing so much color into my life. And I found that really fascinating. I was like, whoa, now I want green and pink and purple and bright. And, you know, hopefully they all kind of work together, you know, in an aesthetic. But that's something that I noticed so many of us need those experiences to kind of come back to our childlike self. Is that something that you notice that your movement, your yoga can help bring you back to? Yeah. So like when you said that you cleared everything in your living space to a cream white mm-hmm. you were almost like wiping the slate clean yeah but you were also creating space yeah to take to realize what you needed mm. so for me what the yoga practice is it's a way to connect my breath to my movement mm-hmm. but also to clear space of anything that like happened in my day anything that's happening mm-hmm. before or after my practice mm-hmm. and so then when you step back out into the world you have the space to really take in the things that notice what's serving you what's not serving you and you have that energy to you know to find those places and those things that you really want. Yeah. And if you were constantly bombarded by color, you would never realize that because there was it was already too much inside of you. You kind of needed to let go yeah. and almost take like a neutral perspective and step back. Absolutely. And speaking of color, I have to ask, I know you have a couple of Blissey pillowcases, but looking at all the colors we have here in the studio, I mean, Blissey has such a beautiful, fresh, modern aesthetic. I. I'm genuinely serious. I could probably have any of these in my house, but which ones do you own? And then which ones that 
are you thinking of maybe getting in the future? So I have the white pillowcase uh-huh. because my bedding at home is all white and like light baby pink. Beautiful. However, this whole top pink wall, I love. Yeah, and the, the one, shelf. Yeah, the one all the way on the end would probably fit my bedroom best mm. after the white. That, I could see that because it's the rose gold. Yeah. So pretty. But I also love this tie-dye one. Like the blues and the pinks, to me, that's just like a very soothing mm-hmm. color blend and something fun, you know? I feel like I've seen those colors during meditations. Yeah. Right? And also like the tie-dye too kind of goes with sometimes, you know, like the yoga hippie vibe, which yeah. you gotta have a little bit of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I noticed that Blissey has a really great way of enhancing our sleep space, you know, because mm-hmm. it is about feel, but it's also about look. I mean, maybe, you know, I think that probably varies for people how much you care about the look of your bedroom or the look of your bedding. But I know for me, when I walk into a space and I also walk into an aesthetic that brings me either energy or relaxation. That makes a really big difference for me. So how did you come to the color palette that is your bedroom? Pink is my favorite color. Mm. And as you said, with having more neutrals, my bedroom is like light pink, white, silver, and gold. Mm, And yeah, to kind of, pink's my favorite color. Pink brings me joy. So I like to have the pink in there, but everything else is very neutral, very soothing, just kind of creates that Zen environment. Yeah. You mentioned how important community is to you and your lifestyle, you know, the retreat that you're working on in Portugal to having, you know, meals with your friends. This is one of those things that's been with us, I think, throughout human history. Why is community so important to you? Because I think a lot of times we go through things and we think we're alone. We think Mm. we're the only person experiencing this thing. And that causes a lot of anxiety, depression, a lot of the mental health epidemic that we're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. But I think once you start to allow yourself to be vulnerable and open to Mm -hmm. people that you trust and you find yourself connected with individuals who are going to help you learn and grow, Mm -hmm. you kind of realize that all those things that you're going through, you're not really alone. And half the time when you're when you allow yourself to be vulnerable, people respond to that and yeah. you realize that they're going through the same things mm-hmm. as you and you know it makes it that much easier to go forward. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny, you know, we also talked about how when we grow older, it's mm-hmm. like all of a sudden we think that we're supposed to do life this way or we're not supposed to touch our toes anymore. We're not supposed to act weird anymore. And something that I recently kind of have been thinking about is like how different we view friendship as an adult versus when we were a kid. Yeah. You know, that when you were a kid, and of course, like I was a little bit more shy than other kids, but for the most part, making friends was pretty straightforward. It was like, hey, I like the color of your shirt. Now we're best friends, you know? And then I feel like, you know, I'm a transplant to LA as well, and it can be so difficult for so many of us. And I think that I've noticed that that's something that isn't talked about nearly as much as I wish that it were, because it can yeah. feel really, just the, the journey of being lonely can be lonely. For sure. Because it's not talked about nearly enough. You know, what have you noticed through your yoga practice, through your retreats, you know, about community today and how that may be different than it was, say, 10 years ago, 50 years, 500 years ago? I mean, human beings have always been social creatures. We've always lived in communities with other people around us in tribes. Mm -hmm. And I think the more technology has come into society, Mm -hmm. the less we feel like we can rely on face-to-face communication. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I've noticed that we're more connected than ever and lonelier than ever. Yeah. Like, I love the fact that we're actually sitting here in a room talking to each other versus we could have done this on Zoom. Sure. I have a microphone at home. We don't need to be in the same room. We could have skipped the drive. Yeah. We We both drove an hour and a half from West Hollywood to come out here. But there's a different energy of Mm -hmm. being in a space 
space with other people. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like that's what we are, human. We are energy. Mm-hmm. And you give what you get. Mm-hmm. And you know, do you ever feel those days where like you're really tired and like you don't want to do something, but your friends made plans and you're like drag yourself to go, but then you get there oh. and you're like, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so here. glad I came. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you would have sat at home alone and just sat in those feelings and Mm -hmm. in that negativity and in that loneliness and i don't i think we don't often give community as much as much credit as it should have Mm -hmm. of how that can re-energize us yeah and kind of give us a sense of purpose and Mm -hmm. a sense of connection and at the end of the day like that's all we're here to do is connect mm-hmm. with people and connect you know. with ourselves. Right. Yeah. And it goes back to the balance that we were talking about to have one with the other to create the whole because there are absolutely days where alone time is exactly what oh, we need. I, I My alone time oh, yeah. is sacred. As so sacred, sacred as my sleep. Yeah, exactly. As, as sacred as sleep. And sleep is actually a really, I think, beautiful example of alone time. You know, even if you're sleeping next to someone or you share a room or whatever it is. There is something very individual about mm-hmm. sleep and there's something very individual about silent time, whether it be meditation or prayer or um, spending time in nature or whatever your practice may be in order to create a, an environment, and a foundation in order to connect with others socially and having that balance. But in some ways, funny enough and ironically enough, with social media, with the internet, with being so connected to others, which I, I highly value, I think there's so much good that's come from it, but it also can almost trick us into thinking that when we're home alone sitting on our couch that we are connecting socially with others through our phone but it is so incredibly far from the in-person physical experience that you and I are having right now yeah and that we can kind of almost feel like okay something is missing in my life and so I'm going to try to feed it with other things you know try to feed it with tv or try to feed it with junk food or you know feed it with other quick dopamine hits and yet we're never really looking at the root problem which is a social loneliness right because you were you know you were mentioning we have always been tribal right we're using those things to numb what we actually need yes and what you said about sometimes having it be difficult to make friends as an adult especially in a new city the reason why i know my best friends are my best friends Mm -hmm. who to me they are they're like my family is we go out and we joke that we have like no photos of us Mm because we're never on our phones yeah we will go out and have like a three-hour dinner and my phone is in my bag the whole time and we haven't tried to post on instagram Mm -hmm. we haven't tried to make it a point that like we're here hanging out doing something because we're just so connected to each other so i think find the people in your life that you know bring that value to you mm-hmm. where it does feel like just that sense of connection that you don't need to like look for something else to connect with yeah like that phone is just another distraction to take you away from who's actually in front of you it's so true it's so true and something i've noticed too is that as i have learned to find the courage to be vulnerable right mm-hmm. we think of vulnerability or i i think i used to think of vulnerability as maybe a weakness or something that was kind of something that i didn't want to show to other people and yet as I found more courage to be vulnerable, it's amazing to me how many people have really related to my experience, like you were talking about, you know, that usually we're not going through something totally alone. Usually it's something that if we're experiencing it, someone in the same room or down the hallway or across the street is experiencing the exact same thing. And since finding the courage to kind of bring up to people like, hey, isn't it kind of weird how hard it is to make new friends as an adult woman? And they're like, oh my gosh it is really weird. Why is it so hard? Why is it so awkward? Why is it, you know, such a such a pull to get people to like make a commitment and come out and yeah. show up? And, you know, it's weird, you know, especially being in LA, dating can be really difficult. You know, fortunately, yeah. you know, now I'm in a, a great partnership and I, I'm kind of graduated out from like the, the, the dating game. But I noticed with dating, 
that there's this dynamic and an understanding that you can go out with somebody once and if you're not that interested in them, it's okay. You can kind of let them know I'm not interested and you can kind of like keep and you keep going on dates. Just because one date doesn't go well doesn't mean that you're like, oh, well, I tried dating and apparently I'm not lovable and so I'm not gonna go on any more dates. Whereas as women trying to make new friends, the dynamic is totally different and in some ways, I feel like it shouldn't be. Shouldn't it be normal that we can go out with somebody and be like, hey, did that resonate with us? If not, that's okay. Like, thanks for your time. We can kind of keep going and look for other people. It doesn't have to be awkward. And also, if you try to go out with a new girlfriend and it doesn't go well, that doesn't mean that you're unlovable. That doesn't mean yeah. that you're not worthy of new friendships. It just means that maybe that wasn't the right fit. So what was your process like in finding your people here in L.A.? So I think I had a very unique experience because I went to college out here. Mm. So I moved out to L.A. when I was 17. I went to University of Southern California undergrad. I was a theater and I was a film major. I was in a sorority. I danced for the basketball team. Mm. I was surrounded by all of these incredible, diverse communities mm-hmm. of people that were all the things I was passionate about. Yeah. And when I graduated from college, all of my closest friends, most of them ended up staying in L.A. or somewhere awesome. on the West Coast. Yeah. So... I never had that feeling as an adult in a new city of trying Mm. to build my foundation. It was almost the opposite for me that Mm. part of the reason why I was able to pursue acting and fitness and these difficult industries in LA was because I felt like I had a really good foundation and really good support. Mm. Mm -hmm. However, that being said, I mean, my friend group has definitely shrunken in size as I've gotten older because it's the people that you really value, the people that you can trust. Mm -hmm. And we we have limited free time. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, oh, yeah. it's like the time that I have to be social and be with my friends, I want to be around people that make me feel genuinely happy and mm-hmm. my most free, authentic self yeah. versus trying to put up a wall and be this very protected. Pretend. Yeah. Yes. To try to, you know, but at the same time, too, is like if you're at a party with new people. I think it's OK to be vulnerable and to be open. Mm-hmm. And you know what? People who like that will gravitate towards you and people who won't like that, who don't like that won't. But that's fine because those aren't your people. That's actually perfect because those aren't your people. You're like, thank you so much for letting me know so that I can use my energy to go find my people. Right. As opposed to trying to be who you think they want you to be. And then you're just bringing people into your lives who shouldn't be there in the first place. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's true with friendships and with dating. Yeah. If you had one number one takeaway from our conversation that you want to leave with viewers today, what would it be? Find the things that you love and let those things guide your choices. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us. This has been such a fun, enriching conversation with Jessica Green. Where can we find you online? I am on social media at jessica.lelia, L-E-L-I-A, which is my middle name. And I also have a talk show on a platform called market.live called Root to Rise, Products and Practices for the Mind, Body, and Soul, where sometimes I do my own show, sometimes I interview guests. But yeah, it's just a wellness lifestyle talk show. And that goes live every Wednesday. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for spending your time with us. This has been The Blissy Experience. I'm Ariana, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. (laughs) 